your best attention to Fred and let's cheer him on and, and just hear what God has in his heart. Amen. Thank you. I am really thankful for Robin. She helped me in preparing because um, I have a tendency to go down bunny trails, you know. I prefer to refer to it as being a divergent thinker, <laughs> divergent thinker. But she's like Clint Eastwood's like in the bunny trail saying, you know, do you feel lucky? So if you hear like Clint Eastwood kind of thing coming from up here, that I went down a bunny trail and it's not going to be pretty. <clears throat> but I'm excited to speak to you guys today. I'm very thankful for Pastor Josh and his vision <clears throat> and the opportunity that he's given me today. Um, before I get started, I'd like to share a story I heard about this scientist by the name of Dr. Brain. Um, if I was a scientist, I would want that name, Dr. Brain. He must be a good scientist. Um, Dr. Brain was doing experiments with fruit flies. And he did something amazing. I have no idea how he figured this out. But he figured out a way to train fruit flies to jump on command. Um, and then he went further. He found that if he removed one of the legs and, and commanded it to jump, it would still be able to jump. And he went on and removed a second leg. And it was able to jump with a second leg missing. And he went on and removed all the legs until he got to the last leg. He found when he removed that last leg and he commanded it to jump, it didn't jump. Which led him to his theory. When you remove all the legs from a fruit fly, they become deaf. So... <laughs> Um, so how many know that Dr. Brain needs to have his mind renewed, which coincidentally is what I'd like to talk to you about today, <clears throat> renewing your mind. I'm excited about renewing your mind because it's what I call one of the R's of God. It comes from the book of Fred. I don't know if any of you have read, read the book of Fred. Right, it's not technically in the Bible. It doesn't actually exist, okay, but it's in the book of Fred. The R's of God, and that is these words like revival, renewal, restoration. When God hears this R sound, it does something to him. When he saw Joseph down in a well, he wanted to restore him, but our definition of restore, getting him back into right standing with his brothers, he did that, but he just couldn't stop there. He just went crazy and kept going, right? until Joseph was in basically in charge of all of Egypt. That's his definition of these R words. So when he hears these R words, it just does something to him. If he was a librarian, I mean, it would just be nuts. <laughs> Hello, I'm here to renew my... Renew? Did you say the R word? Here's your book back, and here's a gift card to Barnes & Nobles for $1,000. Yeah, that's what it would be like. But let's look at Romans 12.2. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So Paul is speaking to believers. He's not speaking to the world. He's speaking to born-again believers. And he's saying, when you're born again, there needs to be something more. There needs to be this renewing of your mind. Hebrews 10.14 says, for by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. So there's a couple things going on here. We have a past tense, made perfect. That's talking about our spirit. It's been made perfect. If you're born again here today and you died, you would go to heaven because your spirit is perfect. There can't be imperfection in heaven. 
But then it's talking about another thing that um, sounds like a process, being made holy. That's talking about our mind that's in this process of being made holy. Some of you that are like my age, maybe, that young, um, might remember back, I think it was in the 80s, maybe, there was a bumper sticker going around that was pretty popular. It said, Christians aren't perfect, they're just forgiven, right? Um, Well, I had a bumper sticker that was probably not quite as popular as that bumper sticker, and it said, um, Christians aren't just forgiven, they're perfect. And then in teeny tiny letters that nobody driving their car could probably read, it had this scripture in, in Hebrews. So I got a few hand gestures when I'm driving around my VW van, being a hippie with this, this on there. Okay. I wouldn't call it road rage, but they didn't really appreciate my bumper sticker. <laughs> but it's about our unrenewed mind. So what an uncomfortable situation, though. We have perfection here and unrenewed mind here. Everything was fine before. We had yuck and yuck. Everything went smooth. There was perfect agreement, right? And then you went and got born again. Oh my gosh, what were you thinking? So Paul talked about this dissonance. He said, the thing that I know I should do, I don't do that. The thing I shouldn't do, that's what I do. He said, I don't understand me. Have you ever had that moment where you're taking an honest look at yourself and like, I don't understand you, right? (laughs) Why am I doing that, right? Paul said, I'm the chief of sinners, right? (laughs) What a thing for a guy to say that that wrote most of the New Testament. So what's up with that? Well, he understood God's grace on his life, didn't he? And that he was able to move powerfully in spite of that fact. So Paul's talking about renewing our minds so that we can understand God's will. And the implication is, Even after we're saved, we still have a worldly mind that needs to be renewed so that it can line up with our spirit. So why do we even need to use our minds? Wouldn't it just be better just to take our mind, set that aside, and just minister out of our spirit that's perfected, right? If I was God, (laughs) I would have said when you're born again, your mind and your spirit are perfected. We're good to go, right? That wasn't God's plan. 1 Corinthians 14, 16 says, Otherwise, when you are praising God in the Spirit, how can anyone else who is now put in the position of an inquirer say amen to your thanksgiving, since they do not know what you are saying? You are giving thanks well enough, but no one else is edified. So our minds are what we use to interface with this world, right? If we're to be ambassadors for Christ, we need to have our minds renewed. Our world's constantly focusing on the human mind um, and advertising. You've seen those, those insurance commercials. It's like a contest to see who can be the weirdest, right? And they're just trying to get you to remember their product. I don't remember their product. I just remember how weird it was, you know. Um, in business, they want to improve the morale and productivity of employees. In education, learning how to most effectively teach. In sports, maximizing the performance of your players. It even pervades our language. Do you mind? You're out of your mind. You better mind. Brett Favre was playing out of his mind. That's a good thing. Yeah, <laughs> It's true. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying for brownie points. What can I say? <laughs> so what does a renewed mind even look like? 
Is it just a theory or is it something that actually exists? Philippians 2.5 says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So this might not be a goal that we reach while we're here on earth, but it's a direction that we're going to head in. The human brain's extraordinarily complex. I think it's part and parcel to being made in God's image. It says we're made in God's image. And so we have a brain that's designed like his mind. And so it is very complex. Our brain has 100 billion neurons. That's a lot of neurons. You and I haven't been alive for 100 billion seconds. So that's one of those numbers where you like you look at it and you just really can't really comprehend it, you know. There's about 50 different neurotransmitters. There's potassium, sodium, water. Our brain's over 50% fat. So turn to the person on your left and say, you're nothing but a fathead. <laughs> now turn to the person on your right and say, why, thank you very much. <laughs> Man's ability to renew our minds is very limited. Paul would certainly tell us that willpower is not a scriptural way to renew our minds. Um, we have the ability to manipulate um, levels of different neurotransmitters. We have the ability to identify some brain structures that might cause problems and intervene with things like surgery. We have some counseling techniques that can help modify thoughts, emotions, and behaviors. But to be sure, we're only scratching the surface of the human mind. God's knowledge of how our mind works is perfect. And that kind of makes sense. If I went to Bill Gates and asked him about one of his computers, I would be shocked if he said, well, I'm not really sure. I had this box that looked kind of cool, and I had a bunch of these parts, and I put them in there and just started shaking it. And eventually it started binging, and lights came on, and it started computing. I don't know how it does that. It's really amazing, though. That would be ridiculous, right? if we had that experience. So the same thing with God. He, he is the designer of our brains and, he, and our minds, and he understands how they work. And so he has the answer for renewing our minds. 2 Corinthians 10.4 says, The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So Paul's saying we demolish arguments and pretensions that set themselves up against the knowledge of God. So where does knowledge reside? In our minds, right? And these arguments and pretensions, they're looking to set themselves up. That means they're not just passing through. They're looking to establish themselves and become part of the way you think, Right? He says we take captive every thought. Where do thoughts reside? In our mind. So we have these arguments and pretensions, and we have our thoughts, and there is a battle. And he says to take them captive. When we hold something captive, what do we do? We hold it back, right? Or another way to talk about it is to say we filter it. <clears throat> and we all have filters. First John 4.1 says, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits. We all have filters in our lives that we use. And most of the time, we don't even realize it. You may have met somebody that says, I don't have a filter. I'm open-minded. When I, when I went off to college, I ran into some of these people. We're all open-minded here, right? And there's a certain way you have to deal with those people. You have to stand in front of them and look them right in the eye and turn. 
and run as fast as you can go, okay? Because there's trouble there. Different things can be filters. Philosophies, people in our lives like teachers, scientists, pastors. Denominations can be a filter. Media can be a filter. But in every case, we make assumptions that the filter is a dependable, reliable source. It could be basic. <clears throat> if I walk out the front door, I'm assuming that gravity is going to hold me down to the ground and I'm not going to just float off into outer space. I just make that assumption right away. It could be more complex. My boss is frowning and swearing. Today might not be a good day to ask for a raise. Um, it could be well accepted. The earth is round. How do I know the earth is round? I saw it on TV. I saw a picture of it in outer space, and it's round, right? Scientists tell me that it's round. Could the scientists be lying to me in some subversive plot? Yeah. Could those pictures be photoshopped? Yeah. But I'm trusting that these are dependable sources. So I'm not telling you to stop making assumptions, okay? I think they're very, they're very helpful. But it's important to be aware of our assumptions so that in the process of our mind being renewed, we can let go of wrong assumptions so that we can grow in that renewal of our minds, right? Um, <clears throat> some of us have pet assumptions. That is, assumptions we really don't want to get rid of. Here's a pet assumption. He's very cute and cuddly. Isn't he? See? Does he look friendly? Harmless. Isn't he harmless? He would never hurt anyone. I have this nagging feeling. No. <laughs> I, ha I had to do that. I couldn't resist. <clears throat> but he's very kind and gentle. This is my assumption that to stay safe, I need to intimidate people. You'd never actually hurt anyone, would you? No. Ow! Oh my gosh, he bit me! I was wrong about that assumption. When we take our assumptions captive, we need to take those assumptions captive and make them obedient to Christ. Who has my assumption? Thank you. And to make it obedient to Christ, right? And take them captive and put them in here somewhere. And just stay there. How come everything bad is a trumpet? Oh. <laughs> oh. Where's Mark? He, he, just, he just left. <laughs> the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? We have lots of things in our lives with filters. Um, appliances. Coffee makers. Um, there might be a few coffee drinkers in here that have been, that can share this experience with me. You don't have to, you can pretend like you'd never have, but... Um, you're up in the morning, you need your cup of coffee, and you're out of coffee filters. This is, this is serious. Okay, <clears throat> what do you do? You improvise. So I get out the, the brownie, brownie um, paper towels. That looks kind of like a coffee filter. And put it in there and proceed to brew a whole pot of coffee out onto my countertop, okay? <laughs> it wasn't the right filter. Things need to have the right filters to work. <clears throat> Josh here, he won the lottery one day, and he was able to get his dream 
vehicle, <coughs> a Ford F-150 Raptor, 2016, with a Yamaha 250F dirt bike in the bed, okay? <laughs> he is like in dreamland, okay, with this stuff. <coughs> and he's loving it, and it comes due for its first oil change. He's really busy and says, Fred, could you do an oil change on my, uh, on my truck? I'm like, sure, I'd be happy to. So I take it home, and I do the oil change. He comes and picks it up, drives off down the road, about five miles down the road. The engine just blows up. He takes it to the mechanic to, to see what the problem is. The mechanic comes back to him and says, I think I found the problem. It looks like somebody did an oil change, but where the oil filter goes, there's just a coffee filter with a rubber band around it. <laughs> Josh comes back to me and says, what did you do to my truck? It's ruined. It's going to cost thousands of dollars to fix. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, you put a coffee filter on it. I'm like, oh. I've never done an oil change before. I didn't know that it needed an oil filter. So you have to have the proper filter. What's the proper filter for our minds? Let's go back to those weapons that demolish strongholds in 2 Corinthians. What are they? One, one place the answers are, are in uh, Ephesians 6.13. <coughs> Therefore, we put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Verse 14, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. Verse 15, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Verse 16, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Verse 17, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Some of you may have seen the movie or read the books of the Hunger Games. Um, well, there's this, this version of the Hunger Games that, that uh, I invented. Um, and uh, there are two contestants, myself and Dave back there um, on sound, on the sound team. Um, and there's a starting line and there's two boxes at the other end. In one box is state-of-the-art 2016 technology, okay? Really good equipment. In the other box is some vintage equipment from, like, World War II. Well, when the gun goes off, we run, and whoever gets there first gets to pick which box they want, okay? And since Dave um, <coughs> um, is in really good shape because he's done things that um, walking and riding his bike that only professional athletes and fugitives do. Um, <laughs> he beats me there by, by quite a ways, okay? And he, and he picks out the most advanced technology box. He opens it up, and it's really state-of-the-art body armor. He puts it on, and he looks good in it, and he's feeling confident he's going to win this battle. I open my box and it's this rusty old machine gun from World War II. Um, it's really heavy, really hard, hard to work with. I've never shot a gun before um, like that. Uh, <laughs> and so <coughs> it's squeaky. Well, we have our battle. I have, I have 2,000 rounds of ammunition. Well, it's a standoff right at first, but what do you think eventually happens? I eventually win. He gets worn down by just the constant fire, right? So why was that? 
because I had the offensive weapon. There's one offensive weapon in this passage, and what is that? That's the sword of the Spirit, and that's a capital S, so we're talking about the Holy Spirit. So <clears throat> the Word of God is the Holy Spirit's weapon of choice. So what else do we know about this sword, the Word of God? Hebrews 4.12 says, For the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Now this passage is, has been kind of perplexing to me at times, <clears throat> but in studying it further, this dividing that it's talking about isn't uh, splitting apart like you would think it means because the, the Greek for this word is really dependent on context. And in this context, it's talking about going deep and those differences that are there, not splitting them apart, but dealing with and resolving those differences, okay? And how many know that Scripture interprets Scripture? And in this passage, we, we, we're talking about joints. How many of you have ever had like a dislocated shoulder or some other joint dislocated? It doesn't function very well, does it? In fact, you probably try to avoid moving it at all, right? No, you don't want it to be split apart. You want it to be together, working as, as efficiently as possible. Your bone marrow that it talks about, you want it to be inside your bone where it belongs. Any condition that's compromising that is pretty serious usually, right? <clears throat> so we're wanting to, to deal with that difference between our mind that needs to be renewed and that perfected spirit. So here we have the sword, the word of God, that the Holy Spirit is using to renew our minds. It says the sword and the word is alive and active. So, so we have this book with the word of God in it on a shelf. Does the Holy Spirit reach in there and pull the words off the pages and use it to renew our minds? No. The Holy Spirit's not working separately or independently of us. The sword that the Holy Spirit swings I'll show you my sword. You can, if you listen real carefully, you can hear it. You don't even have to see it. Swing! That sound, I love that sound. The Holy Spirit uses a sword that we read, that we hear, that we meditate on. Where does it come from? It comes from Scripture, and it also comes directly from God. How does it come how do we hear directly from God? By revelation? By prayer? By donkey? Here's a revelation. God can do whatever he wants. He can talk to us any way he wants. So now, here's where it gets really good. John 1, verse 1 and 2. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. So we're not just reading, we're not just praying, we are literally fellowshipping with God. Doug Blaukamp gave a beautiful teaching a few weeks back, talking about allowing what we allow and who we allow into our core. So when we're doing this, we're allowing God to speak and be in our core. So it's no wonder the Holy Spirit uses God's word to renew our mind. How am I doing on time? Five minutes. Whoa. 
part two next week. All right. <clears throat> um, so one way we hang out with God is to meditate or to, to get his word deep down inside. Ephesians 5.26 says, um, tells husbands to make their wives holy by washing them in the word. And we can do this not just with our wives, but with, with our friends and people in our lives. And when you speak that word, it doesn't just affect them. It affects the speaker as well, doesn't it? So are you saying, Fred, that we need to get brainwashed? Well, yeah, actually I am, because there are some grooves dug into our minds that need to be washed away and smooth so that our mind can be renewed with God's word. And it's through adversity that people in the Bible that had God's word down inside of them were able to, to do things that we still talk about over a thousand years later. That manifestation of that word bearing fruit. Um, so where does renewal start? It starts <coughs> with God's priority for us. We might have our own ideas and friends who have ideas of where I need to start renewing my mind. But a wise man once said to me, if everything's priority, nothing is priority. And I think if you sat down and made a list of everything you thought you needed to renew in your mind, it would be pretty overwhelming. But we serve a kind father, and he's going to gently show you what's priority for him in your life. So <clears throat> eight quick points on how we can go about renewing our minds. Um, one area is to have quiet time with God. Um, we, we're Because it's not our words that renew our minds. So all those words aren't necess always necessary. They're important, but they're not necessary. They're, what's imp also important is quiet time alone with God. And to sit and say nothing is sometimes uncomfortable. So wherever your comfort level is, if you can stand 30 seconds and no more, then do 30 seconds and no more. Right? It can be quiet and nothingness. I like to use visualization and pretend I'm on the beach with Jesus or I'm floating in outer space just surrounded by the Holy Spirit. You can do whatever you want, right? God isn't limited. He's an infinitely creative God. So, and we like to make things simple and comfortable by doing things one way, right? God is great. God is good. Now we thank you for our food. That was, for me, for a lot of years, that's what prayer was, right? Yeah, but it can be more than that. So eight quick points. Um, one, spend time reading scripture. Very basic, uh, but something that's challenging for some of us. Um, I like to connect it to eating my oatmeal in the morning. You could connect it to going to bed. And some people would say, well, I'll fall asleep. I don't want to fall asleep while I'm reading scripture. What would be more awesome than the last thing in your consciousness before you fall asleep is the word of God? Yeah. So uh, number two, listening to scripture. Sermons, Bible on CD, music with scriptural lyrics. <clears throat> Call a friend that will speak God's word over you and your situation. Number three, speak the word of God over the people in your life. Number five, speak the word of God over yourself daily. When I'm on my way to work and I do that, it can totally change my perspective on the whole day. Even if you're not feeling it, you're planting God's seed inside of you and it will bear fruit. 
Number six, spend time praying. Incorporate God's word into your intercession, requests, and thanksgiving. Again, it's not our words. It's God's word that's making those things effective. Spend quiet time alone with God like I was talking about. My wife, Robin, she uh, likes to do a thing to get to know women going out on coffee dates. One time she was out and she says, oh, they they, uh, canceled at the last minute. I'm like, oh, okay, but I had a coffee date with God. And it started to be something she started doing on a regular basis. I thought that was pretty cool. I wish I had thought of it. Um, Number seven, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you assumptions and beliefs that you might not even be aware of. And then when you become aware of those, (coughs) those beliefs or assumptions that aren't from God's word, run it through that filter of God's word. So I'd like to pray. Um, If everyone could bow their heads, please. No one looking around. You might be here today and and you want to have a renewed mind, but you say, Fred, I don't even have that perfected spirit you're talking about. I haven't been born again. And I would like to do that. We can all pray together. No one looking around, just between you and God. Um, but you can repeat after me. Anyone here that that feels the Holy Spirit drawing you, it says no man comes to God, but the Holy Spirit draws him. And you might be here today and you feel the Holy Spirit drawing you to change your life, to have a life with him, to have that perfected spirit, being confident you'll be in heaven. If that's you today, I'd just like to put up, put up your hand real quickly we'll pray with you. Lord, we just come to you now and we ask you to open our hearts to you, to hear your voice, to allow you to start that renewing. Show us, Lord, we trust you We trust your word, Lord. Just show us those areas of our life for renewal. We just thank you for that word and that sword of the spirit in our lives. We thank you that you are active and powerful to make those changes. It's not us, it's you. We just invite you in now, into our lives, into our minds. We thank you for renewing us. In Jesus' name, amen. Give it up for Fred real good. I always appreciate, you know, when somebody has a heart for the church and for its fellow brother and sister. And so it's it's an awesome thing when someone can stand up and speak from their heart and uh, it's not an easy thing to do. So I always love to cheer it on and encourage it. So thank you again, Fred. That was awesome. Very good. So this